You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. And Laura Lee, she's with us as well. What does that mean? It's Friday. It's Friday in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and Big Noon Sports is on the road as we will be every Friday to the end of the football season as we warm up for tomorrow's game. Ole Miss coming in Alabama, getting a lot of play. And I think we're going to have a similar game that we've seen in the past. Ole Miss and Alabama will shoot it out. I said 40 to 30 earlier today. Did you make your prediction on the Tide website? I did. Of course you did. What is it? It's a high-scoring affair, and uh, I don't exactly what I remember. I think I said uh, 42-34 to Alabama. 42-34 Alabama. What do you think about that, Laura Lee? Might be a little high. (laughs) Just like me. Um, That's a joke. Um, Let me assure you, I, I rode from Birmingham with him. That is a joke. Um... But I'm not that far away. I was thinking more along the lines of maybe 34, 27, maybe a little bit less. Matt, how about you? I said 40, 30. Uh, I don't know why. Just, uh, when the station sent me my request, I said, okay. And that sounds uh, good. my comment that I added was I think Jalen Milrow is going to account for five touchdowns. I think he's going to play really, really well. Now that Nick Saban has come out and said he is our guy, win or lose moving forward, essentially, he's our guy. He's our guy for the rest of the season. And he uh, told uh, ESPN uh, yesterday that um, that the reason that Jalen didn't play against South Florida was because he promised uh, Tyler Buckner and Simpson that they would each have a chance. And they got their chance. And they did not seize the opportunity, to put it mild. And so this is Jalen Milrow's team, for better or worse, going forward. And I think that is going to give him a lot of confidence. He's not going to be looking over his shoulder every time he makes a bad throw, a bad read, throws a pick, whatever. Good, bad, indifferent. He is Alabama's quarterback. And that has got to, for, look, you have to remember, these are young people we're talking about. And when you don't, feel like you have the confidence of your head coach, you're going to struggle. Why? Because you're going to press. You're going to try to do things you can't necessarily do. And uh, and I think that that is the main reason why Nick Saban came out on Monday in a very uncharacteristic fashion and said, Jalen has earned the right to be the starter. Well, he earned that right by standing on the sideline. Okay. There's a little, there's a little, there's a little gymnastics of logic going on there, but uh, I, I get what he's saying. That, uh, that, that and, and one, he acquitted himself very well on the sideline. He was uh, Jalen Hurts like in being supportive exactly. of his teammates. He wasn't sulking. He was, uh, you know, just uh, a, a great cheerleader, a great teammate, and I think that showed a lot of character. From him, and maybe that's exactly what Nick Saban wanted to see. And uh, moving forward, I mean, look, we, we've talked about this. That Nick Saban always says, "Well, the, the team will decide who the quarterback is." Right? You got to win the team over. Ah, that didn't happen this time. And Nick Saban, uh, you know, <laughs> he reserves the right to uh, be judge and jury here. And uh, he has come out and said, Jalen's our guy. And I think that is absolutely the right move. He gives them the best chance to win. 
and I expect that uh, they are going to uh, tailor the offense now more to Jalen's strength. Don't have him drop back to pass on second and five and stay in the pocket. Don't have him drop, drop back to pass on third and five, stay in the pocket like we saw. Right? They're just are going to move him around. I think, uh, and just, uh, look, he's a dynamic athlete. And, yeah. uh, I think he probably is the best running quarterback that, uh, Nick Saban has had since he's been in Tuscaloosa. Overall. I know that's saying a lot. That's Laura Lee. A lot. Uh, Laura Lee, who, who's better? Jalen Hurts. He's a better running, no, no. Well, you know, I, I, well, you know I, Jalen Hurts is beloved in this town and he, he got better, obviously, as things went along. But I also think that he's a great role model for Milrow and what he Absolutely. did. And you only saw it, I saw it a couple of times on TV. The uh, cameras were so bad. That well, you it's because they got lightning I know, and all but that. It, it, you sad. couldn't see. Uh, they only called a couple of glimpses of Jalen Milrow cheering the team on and that was a good thing that he did and I think it indeed showed character and maybe the fact that the team was behind him but Saban sat him down and, and everybody did yeah I mean that. do you think that that is a possible reason or, uh, or, or or explains why Alabama was so flat last Saturday because there was some division in the locker room over who should be the starting quarterback possibly I, I think, think so. I think I that's think a big possibility. possibility. Like that should have been fettered out a long time ago. Why do you get two, three games in the season and you're still having this problem? I mean, you had these guys in the spring. Uh, Milrow's been there for a long time. I'm still perplexed, and I know he gave his reason. But a game's tied at three. Don't you put your best quarterback in there? I'm still perplexed. That wasn't a good enough reason for me. Well, Sorry. I also think since I know Nick's then, listening right now. He's having, <laughs> what is that, uh, turkey salad, something that he eats uh, every turkey day? And, he turkey needs to come and, uh, here in a free container. Yeah. Same thing every day. Every day. Well, uh, I do think that uh, Jalen did a great job, and maybe he did send a little bit of a message to do better because of the picks from, from Texas, but if... The OC doesn't. He he's got to call plays designed yeah. for Milrow, and we have not seen that exactly. And that's what we have to see: some misdirection. They need to up the tempo. They need to call designed runs. They need to play a Jalen Hurts offense for Milrow. Yeah, and Laura Lee, don't you think that this game is almost as much about Tommy Reese? As it, as it is Jalen Milrow. 100%. That's a great point. 100%. I know during our um, last weekend and our family text uh, that we were going, you know, texting through the games. It's like, is race going to be one and done? I mean, well, know, he's 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 looked a little outmatched so far, and the the images overwhelmed. Yes, and the images you see of him in the press box are not good. No, no, he's got his head in his hand. <laughs> oh no, that's um, not a confidence but, builder. But again, is it? you you got to go back and look who Alabama's had in that position for the last what six seven years. 
Lane Kiffin, former head coach USC. Steve Sarkeesian, former head coach USC Washington. Uh, Bill O'Brien, former head coach at uh, Penn State and former head coach of the Houston Texans. Like these are high caliber guys who have uh, who have called plays at the highest of levels and have uh, a, a tremendous amount of experience. And now we have a 33 year old kid. In my view, sorry, I'm old, but uh, 33-year-old kid calling the plays. <laughs> and, and, and I'm Older. not saying he's not capable, but it, it, it has just been, uh, he's got I, I, think, I think it's us. been cu- confusing because Jalen Milrow's skill set is so different than Buckner and Simpson, right? And it's almost like they were trying to run the offense for Buckner and Simpson and not Jalen. I can and so, and so now the, 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 you have to tailor everything to his skill set, to Jalen's skill set. And, uh, and I, I think they will. I mean, and I also firmly believe that Nick Saban has been more involved this week in the offensive game planning than he has in recent memory. Cause he's got to remember that Nick Saban still views himself as a quarterback. So, you know, high school, really great high school quarterback. Uh, he'd been tall. I think he played at a much larger school and probably yeah. been very, very successful. He can still but, spin it. Uh, he's about he's, to be 72, and he can spin it pretty good. Well, and also, I think as uh, when you're playing two quarterbacks and you have two vastly different quarterbacks, and let's just say that Buckner and Simpson are very much alike, and you're de- designing two different offenses well then you're going to lose because you need to be designing one offense and have the other one assist like in the case of Robbie Ashford that's correct on the other side I want to talk to uh, Laura Lee about just the collective mood of the fan base because when I was on campus on Tuesday and and speaking with my students and others I was sort of shocked at uh, just everything and, and Everything I heard. Were they like Eeyore? The, the oh, demeanor. No, 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 I just, no, no, no. I, I, what, because I, is that how I talk about Nebraska? <laughs> no, well, not their volleyball team. Volleyball Anderson. <laughs> Undefeated, baby. Oh. National Jamie Championship. Is our server, if you could get our attention, we need fried pickles, okay? You yes. want some more fried pickles? Absolutely. I'm also looking at the Ennis Free Irish Pub menu. I got like seven or eight different kind of hot dogs. I'm a hot dog guy. I might have to take myself out of the ball game after we get off the air. Come see us. We're at Innisfree right here on University in downtown Tuscaloosa as we're rolling some tide and getting ready from Ole Miss. Come by and have lunch with us. Back in a flash. Your business. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A warm afternoon, the sky partly to mostly sunny, the high 85. Fair tonight, the low 63. Tomorrow, a sunny, warm day, the high 87. And Sunday, partly sunny, a few spots could see a passing afternoon shower, the high 86. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 84 degrees in Tuscaloosa. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. And it's free on just absolutely Tuscaloosa Chamber of Commerce. Beautiful afternoon. It's like 82 degrees and partly sunny and humidity's down. So 
hey, good time to go grab lunch. We got the meat and three, the lucky lunch right here at Innisfree. And um, in addition to that, they got burgers, they got beers, and uh, some fried pickles, which we'll have some in just a minute. By the way, uh, as you heard at the top of the hour, really cool promotion that Tide 100.9 is doing, and it's uh, the cash code for. $30,000. Just go to the Tide app at 100.9 and enter this hour, 267, for your shot at winning $30,000. be a nice way to spend the fall, wouldn't it? Uh, we also can take calls. You can also come up here to the to the stage where we are. Just ask a question to us as well. But we take calls at 205-342-9904. That's what we're going to do. We'll take a call from Joseph. Joseph, welcome to the show. Big Noon Sports. How y'all doing, man? Yeah, about Great. to eat. <laughs> I'm doing good. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. If what I heard is true, I don't know if it's true or not, but I think it's mighty, it's mighty, uh, it's not good if it's true. I'll put it that way. Okay. I heard down there at the University of South Florida that um, that the players didn't want to the middle to start, and he didn't start, so they didn't halfway play like they should have because they wanted Jalen Miller to start. And so I don't know how true that is, but you know, on the second thing is, you know, uh, I heard Connor, a guy, uh, a sports man for St. Connor talking yesterday. He kind of just said, "No, Jalen Miller, he'll win you some games." And I, I totally agree. Jalen Miller will win some But he says that he don't think he's the quarterback to take all them to the promised land. I said, I absolutely agree with that. I don't think he is. I think eventually Alabama's going to have somebody else in there if they want to go to the promised land. But I don't think he's that guy. But, I mean, that's just because, I mean, if you put a Tyler Buckner, uh, Eli Host, or anybody else in there, it's a sad waiting to happen. And, um, I really do believe that, um, they, and from the insider source that I heard on Ryan Fowler's show, uh, yesterday, that they said, uh, Dylan Lottery can, can daggum quite out so close to football. They said the Yeah, I think we've all heard that. Yeah. I I've think we've all that. heard that, but, uh, yeah, our resident. Uh, the true freshman who will save the day. I've never heard that but, one before. Uh, you know, I, they were saying <laughs> the same things about Jalen Hurts, too. And he wasn't the guy to lead them. But, what do you turn out? Okay, national championship. They're all right. Nope. Jalen Hurts won that championship. What's that? Well, starting quarterback for the every game of the season that uh, team that won the national yes, championship. Yes, Jalen Hurts won a national championship. <laughs> Don't be ignorant. He almost won a national championship. Well, that's all right. Okay. See you later, Joseph. Yeah. Have a great day. <laughs> Have a fried pickle on me. Um, and do, do, do you agree? Oh. Jalen Hurts won a national championship or not? Yes, yes. and so did Tua. Okay. Yeah. They're national championship winning So did the backup left tackle. Yeah. Um, I think he was on that team. Pretty sure. Well, and we were just that one play away the last second of the game against Clemson down in uh, Tampa. You want to talk about the pick play? You want to talk about the pick Hunter Renfro, we got the Alabama back. killer. We got uh, him back on, on that pick play, but... In another game. But I remember think? when Jalen Hurts scored, and it was, what, a minute and a half or uh, yeah. two to go, and I looked at my husband, and I said, he scored too soon. Yeah, I we agree. We gave him too much 100%. time. 100%. 
Oh. That was a dreadful trip. The, the, the best smile of the Nick Saban era, though, was against Clemson and the onside kick. What a canary swallowing smile oh, that, that was. Brilliant call. That won the game. Oh, it, it, gave, it gave Alabama an extra possession. It was coaching that won that game. Nick Saban won that game. And that smile was the best. Oh, oh yeah. My kids. Um, order up. Yeah, that may have been, as a coach, his crowning moment. I think it's just, you know, what you send in, what you call. But somebody had been in that film room, and somebody picked that up. It, it may Nick have been it. Nick. It was Nick. It was Nick that picked it up where it he could Nick. actually pop it up. Yeah, um, because he, he noticed it on film, how uh, the Clemson front line on uh, kick return, they started running back before the ball was even kicked. They turned their heads. And it created a uh, an opening there for uh, Marlon Humphrey. And it was a perfect onside kick. Yes. Uh, absolutely perfect. And, and just Marlon Humphrey caught it in stride. It was a and, and very cool moment. Speaking of Marlon Humphrey, right, he's hurt right now for the Baltimore Ravens. But I, I would argue that he's the best corner in the, in the league. And he's come out and said that uh, essentially the dynasty is over. And Marlon Humphrey is not someone who is prone to overstatement. He's usually quite measured and analytical in his assessment of the state of Alabama football. Did you see that, Laura Lee? And this sort of raises the the point that I I wanted to um, make and ask you. When I was on campus on Tuesday talking to people, talking to my students, it's not even despondence. It is uh, 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 just a, a lack of really caring. Like it, it, it's just a, it, it is a it is a feeling, a, a collective group feeling that I'm picking up on from Alabama fans that I have not sensed since I moved here, in or, or since the, since uh, really since Nick Saban was hired. It's just uh, this this idea that uh, I don't know if we're gonna be able to compete. Against Ole Miss. Well, what was the quote you gave me on the way over here? Don't know if you're going to win another game this year? Yeah, Nick Saban said something to that this effect. Been, I guess we would all agree that this has been the most un-Nick-like season since he's been at Alabama. What's your feel on just the emotion of this campus? Larley. Well. Larley Thompson, Bama <laughs> Broker. I agree. I think... The challenge here is there's been no direction with the offense. There's no clear, straight path, if you will. And when people see that lack of leadership on the offensive line, uh, who's the quarterback, there doesn't seem to be any clear path. Now, he said it straight. Melrose, the quarterback, here's what we're going to do. And, you know, if we go out there, and I never say if, but I'm saying if we go out there and win this game, I think all of that will turn around. So even with your language, you are expressing skepticism. Of course. <laughs> I mean, hey, all, hey, there's, there's, there's a I lot mean, of evidence. There, I mean, what, what, how, what else can you uh, assume based on the last two performances of this team? Well, you look uh, at... You could be looking for answers. Yeah, you've got an offensive genius, maybe one of the the best mm-hmm. on the other side, and you know he's going to do the same thing we saw Sark do a couple of weeks ago. 
And well, that'd yeah, be man. quite the double whammy, wouldn't it? I didn't even think of that. Sark and Kiffin Kiffin within within three weeks. Throw Jimbo in there down the line. Well, but especially Sark and Jimbo because they were so instrumental in in building up the whole. Uh, dynasty. Well, Sark and and uh, I'm sorry, Sark and Kit, Sark and Lane were yeah. yes. So, and, I uh, mean, they were offensive and still are, in my opinion, uh, great play callers. They can design these plays, and we have not seen that on our side yet. And let's hope it's a yet. Yeah. Well, we got a lot to talk about with Mike Rodak. Who, uh, who, Mike Rodak I, I is absolutely he's moved. Yeah, right? yeah, he moved from AL.com. He's a 24/7 sports. And yeah, he's just going to take a big stick to me one day because I've done that like he, two weeks uh, in a row. My apologies. He Mike. covers Alabama football as well as anyone uh, on the beat, and uh, and there's a lot of good people. But uh, Rodak is in the uh, short conversation of the best, in my opinion. When we get to a midweek uh, a week on, on kind of a slow day, we ought to dive into that. Because there have been an extraordinary number of talented writers cover the University of Alabama. Yeah. I mean, and had chances to go on. Cecil's a great example. Yep. He had chances to go elsewhere. Oh, yeah. Fried pickles are here. We got a break. <laughs> now, we will be back with Mike Rodak from 24-7 when we get back. As uh, you listen to us live from Innisfree, come have some lunch and some fried pickles with us. SEC Sports, like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. It is Big Noon Sports. Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson, Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker, is with us. And so is Mike Rodak from 24-7 Sports. And he's going to join us here right away as a beat writer, University of Alabama. Hey, Mike, uh... How are you, first of all? Good day? Yeah, feeling pretty good. Just fighting off a little bit of an illness. It feels like you start getting into the season and the weeks and the days move pretty quickly and you get beat up pretty quickly. So hanging in there five weeks, four weeks away. Yeah, you know uh, you know, there's a law in the state of Alabama that sports reporters just can't take off during football season. So be it sick or not or broken bones, you got you to gotta play hard. You got to play tough. Um Mike, did uh, did Nick say anything last night or yesterday on McAfee's show that, uh, I don't know, got your attention? Yeah, I mean, it's the whole issue of Jalen Milrow and what exactly happened where, you know, you go from Milrow starting the first two games and then Tyler Buckner starting, you know, the, the third game. And Miller not even being the backup for that game, being the third quarterback, um, and Ty Simpson being the backup, and then going back to Milrow being the starter and having Ty Simpson back him up. And I think you know, what's happened the last three weeks with a lot of different quarterback movement um, has confused people. And and so he's addressed it. You know, I don't know if he's fully, um, you know gotten into an explanation that will satisfy people, but you know, I'm, I even asked him after the game on Saturday, I said, you know, why was it Buckner and Simpson and not Milrow? And he said it was an internal team thing. And then you get to 
Thursday, you know, on the McAfee show, and he says that we went into the game, the South Florida game, saying that we wanted to play somebody else. And that's what he told Jalen Milrow. And he said maybe it would be for a quarter or whatever. And it sounded like maybe the plan was to play Milrow at some point in that game. But from everything Saban said on the McAfee show, it doesn't sound like Milrow handled that situation well. And so then Saban also talked to, you know, ESPN, um, Chris Lowe on, on Thursday. And then he said to ESPN, he said, the plan all along was I promised the quarterbacks, all three of them, I was going to give them playing time at some point this season. And so I was following through on that promise. So trying to parse all that and figure out what exactly happened. I mean, Buckner and Simpson already got playing time. They got a drive in the opening game. It wasn't a ton. My my best read on it is Saban thought that it wouldn't matter against South Florida who the quarterback was, and he might as well get a look at Simpson and Buckner while he still could. And obviously it did not go very well. The game was closer than it should have been, and obviously that leads you back to Jalen Milrow, but I don't think he necessarily was thrilled with the way Jalen Milrow played against Texas either with the interception. So at this point he's their best option, but – um, you know, the story hasn't been completely uh, straight from, from Saban on it. Mike, I agree with you 100%. Um, you know, I've embedded with different teams before for a week or a month or even a full season. And I've seen when locker rooms kind of go south, right, that the, the collective attitude is not great. And within about four or five minutes of watching of game time of watching that game on Saturday my I was just I, I told my friend who was watching the game with there's something going on in the Alabama locker room because the lack of effort is stunning it's apparent and it's unprecedented frankly uh, in the Nick Saban era and I know you don't I'm sure I'm guessing you don't have answers to, you know, the question of, of what's going on with this team, but isn't, doesn't, doesn't it just feel as if something is off? Like something's just not right with this team? I agree. And, you know, I agree that, um, you know, and I've covered teams like this where, you know, there's been changes at quarterback and, um, there's certain sides that are taken and, um, you know, it's, it's never a good thing when there's a players only meeting. I mean, I've covered no, yeah, bad no. teams. Yes. And they, yeah, and they've had players only meetings. And that was something Tyler Booker brought up on Monday. Um, so I guess it's good that they had it, but it's, it's not good that they were in a spot where they felt like they needed to have it. Um, and you know, it's, it, it, there's smoke, I would say, to the idea that, um, Milrow was well liked in the locker room and is well liked. And, there might have been players that were kind of on his side on, you know, why am I being benched this week? Um, and and that could have led to problems, you know, in the South Florida game. Um, and, you know, we've even heard the word favoritism used by J.C. Latham, that they're not going to show favoritism to, you know, a, a single quarterback. And that was kind of something he brought up on his own, uh, which, you know, sometimes is a telling sign that it, it was an issue. Um, so they're, they're walking a very fine line and talking about it. You know, Tyler Booker, when he was talking about the players only meetings that coming out of it, they, they felt like they were more together and they were on the same page. And he, he kind of added, Oh, you know, you know, I'm not saying we weren't together before, 
he, in some ways you are. Like, I don't think he wants to come out and say that, but uh, obviously I think you know anybody can kind of read between the lines and, and see that there was some level of division uh, with the team and, and presumably about the quarterback situation. So one of the things that Coach Saban has uh, made an effort doing is hiring coaches that are younger and that those younger coaches would be able to relate to the players in a way that he might not be able to because of the age difference. Do you think that's helped or hindered? So it's interesting because they've gone different directions um, on both coordinator spots where last year you had a younger defensive coordinator in Pete Golding who really uh, got along with players. You know, I, I remember talking to players at the combine, you know, NFL bound players last year who essentially were saying, you know, Pete's like a brother to us. It's not even like a coach. And even, you know, this past week asking guys about Pete Golding, who's, you know, going to be on the other sideline for Ole Miss, they're saying, you know, great guy, great dude. And you can kind of sense that, you know, a younger coach, they're going to relate more with. And then last year they had Bill O'Brien, who's a little bit of an older coach on offense and uh, a little bit more of a hard line type of guy who might, you know, yell at you and get in your face a little bit. And I don't know if players related to him as much. But then it completely flipped this offseason where on offense they went to Tommy Reese, who's younger. And you hear, I think, even back in the spring, Ja'Cory Brooks saying he's kind of hip. Um, but then defensively, they went from Pete Golding to Kevin Steele. Kevin Steele, 65 years old. And I don't think, you know, necessarily relates to players quite as well. So they, they've, they've been on both sides of it. Uh, last year it was, you know, older on offense, younger on defense. This year it's flipped. I don't know if one is necessarily better than the other. I think sometimes it's just based on where you are as a team. Um, yeah, I, I think Tommy Reese is, still relatively inexperienced. I think this is obviously a, a tough situation for him uh, with the quarterbacks that he has. He'd probably be better off last year with the Bryce Young to, you know, to play with. Um, but that just is what it is. I don't know if it's you know, a, a huge factor in everything that's happened, but it's, it's probably part of it. Is there more pressure on the OC at Notre Dame or the OC at Alabama? You know, I would say Alabama because Notre Dame you know, it's it, I don't know if Marcus Freeman has gotten to the status that Nick Saban has. So, uh, you know, people I think are more willing to point fingers at Marcus Freeman because he hasn't accomplished a ton as a coach, whereas Nick Saban has six national titles in Alabama. And whenever something has gone wrong the last few years, I think people are not going to point at Nick Saban quite as much as they will coordinators. So uh, it, it directs a lot of that pressure on, um, you know, your offensive coordinator in this case. And I think a lot of people also look at it as Nick Saban's a defensive coach. And so he's not nearly as involved in the offense. I think 80 20, I think, is what he described as his involvement in, um, you know, defense versus offense. And so this is kind of Tommy Reese's baby. And so there's probably more pressure on him from that standpoint, too. Pe- people kind of looking at it saying he's responsible for anything that's happening on the offensive side, whereas on defense, it's more of a joint thing between Saban and Kevin Steele and maybe Traveris Robinson, too. Mike, so many people are talking about, and as we, we've mentioned on the show, that uh, the, the offense really needs to be tailored to the strengths of Jalen Milrow. How much can the offense really change in seven days? Not much, and I think 
I think there's still hesitance to do that because keep in mind, you know, Jalen Miller's first year, 2021, he played a little bit behind Bryce, you know, non-conference games, games that are out of hand. And they basically just ran a read option type of offense. I mean, he didn't throw the ball a whole lot. Uh, it was a lot of quarterback either design runs or option runs with him. And, you know, the talk from that point and really through that off season and the second off season was, he needs to get better as a thrower. Um, and ultimately, I think that's still what Nick Saban wants to do offensively is be able to throw the ball, be able to stress defenses down the field, be able to use speed at wide receiver. And if you tighten things up and, and run an offense that has a lot of those design runs and you're, you know, triple option or your read option with the quarterback a lot, you know, the defense is going to creep up and um, they're going to be able to stop that. And there's just not a lot of examples of, of high-level success in college football in recent seasons with teams doing that. And I think Saban knows that if you're going to try to win a national championship this year, which right now, you know, the odds are stacked pretty deeply against them, you're going to have to do it throwing the ball. And, you know, Milrow's been good uh, throwing the ball deep. I mean, there's been some success against Middle Tennessee and Texas where Miller actually had more downfield passes you know, of 15 or more yards and Texas did in that game. But it was some of the shorter stuff, the intermediate stuff, where he made the bad decisions, the interceptions, things didn't go as well. And um, I think that's where Saban wants to clean things up. But I don't know if he's going to just shift towards an offense that um, is running Jalen Merrow 15 times a game. Well, you look at uh, Lane Kiffin and the Ole Miss quarterback, uh, Jackson Dart, and you look at an offense that perhaps should be running at Alabama. It's the same type of success that Lane had here being able to design plays. So having said that, do you think that uh, he's going to, Dart is going to have that success against our defense? I think it's, it's possible. I, I don't know if there's as many weapons for Ole Miss as Texas had with Xavier Worthy, at wide receiver, and, you know, Adonai Mitchell, and then their tight end, Jatavion Sanders. Like, Texas has better receivers than Ole Miss does. Um, I think Ole Miss, even though they're, an up-tempo, they're going to run plays fast like Tennessee does, like, you know, South Florida just did last week. They're still going to run the ball a lot. And, and they were one of the best running teams, not even just better, but best running teams in the country last year. Um, and, you know, they've had an issue with injuries this year offensively. Quinshawn Junkins, who's really the top running back, has been hurt or not 100%. And so Zach Evans has actually been better for them. Um, but both of those guys... I, I think are the key to the offense for Ole Miss at, at running back. And, you know, Alabama's been good um, in run defense so far this year. I don't know if they've really seen much of a test there. Um, you know, Middle Tennessee State runs an air raid offense, not going to run the ball very much. Texas, you know, I think tried, but they don't have Bijan Robinson. So this will be really the biggest um, run defense test that they've had so far. And, you know, if Ole Miss is able to kind of get that going, I don't know if they'll need Dart quite as much, but there's certainly the uh, the possibility that they can run, and then it's a case of how Dart can do with you know, a good receiver group, not great, against Alabama's secondary and if Lane can scheme anything open. Um, but I, I don't think the threat of the passing game is quite as high with Ole Miss as it was with Texas. 
What's going to be the end result tomorrow? We're going to ask Mike Rodek that question as we continue to broadcast live. We're at Innisfree on University Boulevard. Got the fried pickles going. Come by, have a cold beer, have a burger, have some fries. I got a great selection of hot dogs, which I'm going to carry one of those out of here today. So come join us as we broadcast Big Noon Sports until 2 o'clock from Innisfree. It's the place to be. Weekday mornings at 6 a.m., the Martin Houston Show. Join us on Monday as Kenton Smith III of The Athletic joins us to talk about whether Bama was able to right the ship. We'll talk about the good, the bad, the ugly versus Ole Miss. We'll preview Mississippi State. And after the game, was there no Miro or no to Miro? We'll talk about it on Monday. Catch the Martin Houston Show from 6 to 7 weekday mornings on Tide 100.9. Get ready. Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire Entire process, the Bama broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker, who's as roll tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205 790 7229. Again, that's 205 790 7229. And you can also email her at com. That's Lee at thebamabroker.com. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A warm afternoon, the sky partly to mostly sunny, the high 85. Fair tonight, the low 63. Tomorrow, a sunny, warm day, the high 87. And Sunday, partly sunny, a few spots could see a passing afternoon shower, the high 86. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 83 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. We are live at Innisfree. It's a place to be on a uh, beautiful Friday afternoon and tonight and tomorrow. And if you don't have tickets to the game, here's a place to come watch it. So please drop by and see us and have some lunch today. Lars Anderson, Laura Lee, and myself, Matt Coulter, will be here until 2 o'clock. Mike, what is your sense for how Alabama is going to come out and play? I, I, I know it's, a, a, you know, impossible. We don't have crystal balls. But uh, my feeling is that they're going to come out and play very, very well tomorrow. Uh, how about you? I mean, I thought that for the South Florida game, too, coming out of the Texas game. And for whatever reason, they did it. Um, and yeah, I remember asking players after that game Saturday, like, you know, why? wasn't it good coming out of the gate. Like, everybody knew you kind of need to prove something after Texas. And they were like, ah, you know, it could have been the weather, different stadium, whatever. Um, 
I guess none of those factors will really be at play for this game. Like, you can't say it's a, it's a road environment or a different city or the weather's different or it's hot outside. Like, um, there's not going to be any excuses from, from that standpoint. Um, but, you know, I, I think from an effort standpoint, I think it would be good. Like, I think this is going to be a motivated team to show it, that they're better than what they've shown, you know, the last two weeks, especially last week. But I think there's still questions about the ceiling of what this team can do offensively and um, what they can do defensively as well. It's You can play hard. You can try hard. You can have the right mindset. You can execute well. But sometimes you might not be the better team. And I'm not 100% convinced right now that they're the better team than Ole Miss. I wasn't convinced going into the Texas game that they were the better team than Texas. Um, like I said, I think Ole Miss probably lack some of the weapons that Texas does, but overall, they're, they're still a good team, and uh, you know, it's going to take a really clean game from Jalen Milrow if he starts throwing interceptions again. Um, that's that's going to put them behind the eight ball. I mean, the defense is going to need to play a, a very good game. Um, they're going to need to run the ball better, so uh, if they can do everything better, then I think they can win the game, but my my sense, my feeling coming into it is I, I truly don't know what's going to happen. And that's different from covering this team for four years before this. Uh, and this could very well just be the the feeling of this season. Um, I mean, maybe there's a lot of confidence going to the Mississippi State game next week, but you go right down the line with Texas A&M and Arkansas and Tennessee and LSU. Like, every single game walking into that stadium, I am not going to know how this team is going to perform. And I think that's particularly true for this Saturday. Well, when you look at uh, the offensive line on both sides, Ole Miss and Alabama, neither one have been very good. Now, Ole Miss can cover it up somewhat with the play calling and the tempo. But when you look at that, don't you think if Alabama can straighten out their line and get some production there, that it will be a different game? Yeah, I mean, left tackle is, is the spot where it needs to be a lot different. You know, and, and Nick Saban said this, too, where you can have everybody do something right. You know, 10 guys do something right on offense, but if your 11th guy doesn't, then the entire play gets blown up. And uh, quite frankly, I think he was referring a little bit to the left tackle spot, and there was plays with Caden Proctor where he was just getting flat out beat, you know, off the snap, and uh, that blew up anything that, you know, Ty Simpson in particular was trying to do, especially off his blind side there. So, um, yeah, if they can get Proctor to take a huge step forward in this game, then um, that, that does allow them to try to run their offense and not, you know, be behind the sticks or, um, you know, be in situations that I think are going to be really tough for Jalen Milrow. So uh, that's part of it. I think running the ball too much. And this is an offensive line that just on paper, based on where they were recruited, just their pure talent, this offensive line should be dominating defensive lines, especially, um, you know, Tyler Booker and J.C. Latham. I mean, Caden Proctor in terms of his size should be a great run blocker. And if they can get that going a little bit more than it has, and it was, um, you know, it was up and down against South Florida. The running game was not good in the first half. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, negative runs and no gain and short gains. Second half was a lot better with Roy Dow Williams. If they can keep that going, 
Um, then again, you get Milrow in the third and short situations, and I think that's a little bit easier for him, um, especially if he can run and, and convert those third downs. Mike, I love what I see when Justice Haynes carries the football. I just don't see him. Is that related to the injury he suffered at the end of August, or is he just not picking up blitzes? Uh, so injury-wise, uh, no. I mean, he was uh, – it was a pretty brief thing. It was a quad contusion, I think, the third week of August. I missed that second scrimmage. Uh, but he's really been fine ever since. In fact, people have brought that up with his dad, you know, Veron Haynes, the former NFL running back on Twitter. And his dad's responded to those people and has said, no, like, his son is fine. Uh, he's healthy. And his dad's been a little bit um, chirpy, you might say, on Twitter in terms of – you know, other people asking him why is not why is um, Justice Haynes not playing, and the dad will say, you know, it's a great question. You know, I'm not sure myself. Uh, so, you know, that's one where I think Nick Saban's aware of sort of the risk. And in this day and age of college football, if you have a great player like that, or you know, five star talent, and he doesn't play as a freshman, there's more of a track record these days of those players leaving. And I think he gets that. Saban gets that. And we've heard. I think it was Wednesday night when Saban was asked about Justice Haynes, said, I think we're going to see him more as the season goes on. So, um, you know, I, I think they've liked, maybe not loved, what they've gotten out of McClellan and Rodell Williams so far. Like I said, it's been up and down. The offensive line probably plays a role in that. But even if those guys continue to be what they are, which is, you know, pretty reliable seniors, they still have to find a way to get Haynes involved and at least see what he can do. Because, again, I, I do think if, if that continues to go where he's not playing, and, you know, I, I think the blitz pickup thing could certainly be part of it, um, then in this day and age of college football, you risk losing those players. Mike, you obviously watch this team very closely. Uh, early in the game tomorrow, what are you going to be looking at to see if, uh, if Alabama is going to come out and, and just sort of play a different game than uh, what we saw last week? Yeah, I think it's going to be the running game on both sides. You know, I think if Ole Miss can kind of get things rolling in that area, um, and they did to a certain extent last year. You might remember, you know, Alabama went down 10 nothing to Ole Miss, um, you know, in, in Oxford last year, and they ran the ball pretty well that day. Um, if, if Ole Miss can get the ball rolling and kind of use tempo, get the chains moving, um, then that's going to be a problem for the defense. And, you know, on, on offense for Alabama, it's the same thing. Yeah, there's a lot of third and long situations for Tyler Buckner in that South Florida game. Obviously, he did not handle them well. He did not play well, did not look great. But he was put in some pretty tough situations because the running game, more often than not, on the early downs, was not performing very well. And that's something I think will help Milrow a lot if, if they can get into third and shorts because that opens up the possibility of Milrow being able to scramble. And it's a lot harder to scramble for a first down on third and nine or third and 11 than it is when it's third and three. The defense has to be um, covering a lot more on, on third and three because Milrow can just tuck it, run forward for four yards pretty quickly, and that's a first down. And that's harder to defend. So it starts with the running game on both sides. We talk and criticize Alabama so much because, quite honestly, it's worthy, you know. But how about the defense? How do you expect them to play? Because Kiffin's going to bring it, and he's pointing at this game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's another game where I don't know 
um, how much pressure they're going to be able to get in terms of sacks because I think the ball is going to come out quickly with Jackson Dart. Obviously, they're going to be running a lot of plays. Um, it's going to be keeping Alabama's personnel on the field. Um, you know, guys are going to get tired. That's just sort of something they need to deal with with a tempo team like this. And, you know, it's a case still of can those guys in the back end communicate the call and not have someone on the wrong page um, when you're running so fast like that. And, you know, especially sometimes it's that far cornerback when he's on the far side of the field and he can't see the call on the other sideline. He has five seconds to get lined up and, and do what he needs to do. Sometimes Alabama's been, been caught in bad situations with that. You know, they certainly did against Tennessee last year. Um, so that's that's a big part of it. And, yeah, I think Lane probably looked at the film from what Steve Sarkeesian did against Caleb Downs and um, I think is is probably looking to attack these safeties too and, and get them into conflict situations. So, um, you know, Lane's obviously a really good coordinator. Um, he's had some good games against Alabama. The 2020 game uh, was his best. Um, last year I think was pretty good. Yeah. And then 2021 was a flop. Remember they came in undefeated and Lane had the popcorn comment before the game and they just completely flopped. So, you know, there's been a, there's been a wide range of outcomes for Lane. And again, I, that, that kind of contributes to me to the whole, the whole idea of like, I don't know what to expect from this game a lot more than others. I love the flavor he brings to the SEC. I hope he stays around for a long, long time. Mike, tell us, tell everybody where they can find you and what you're working on. Yeah, on uh, Bama247.com on Twitter, at Mike Rodak, and just working on trying to get healthy <laughs> for tomorrow. Well, we hope you can get over to Bryant-Denny Stadium and uh, that you feel better, and we thank you for taking time, illness and all, to, to join us on Big Noon Sports, and we'll probably do this again next week. Thank you again, Mike. You got it. Thank you. All right. You bet. And again, we are live from NS Free right here uh, on the boulevard on, um, you know, University. So come on down and have a cold beer or a drink. What What did you say they made? Did, did they make some kind of wacky martini or something? What were you talking about earlier? Wrong place. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. uh, wrong place. Good attitude. All right. Uh, come down and join us, though. They've got all kinds of brews, and they can make the concoction of your delight. Whatever you do, just come on down and see us. It's Lars and Laura Lee and I will continue to bring you Big News sports until two o'clock live from ministry. It's the Tide 100.9 30K Workday Payday. We cash every weekday 8 to 5. Here's this hour's cash code. 145. Again, that's 145. The code is 145. Enter that code now on the Tide 100.9 app. Click on the 30K Payday button and enter the code for a chance to win $30,000. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. (laughs) 
And if you hear us giggling, there's a really good reason. Uh, I think for about the 15th time, I watched Stephen A. Smith throw out the first pitch at the Yankees game. And Lars and I talked about it yesterday. You were nice enough to take me out and grab a beer for my birthday. And uh, we started talking about Stephen A. Smith throwing out the first pitch. You had seen him throw before. I have. I've been, I I've been around Stephen A. Um, years ago, uh, the uh, Spurs were playing, I forget who, in the NBA Finals. And uh, Stephen was a, uh, I think he was a, a, a reporter for the uh, Philadelphia Inquirer. Yeah. Yeah. And and so uh, I was covering it for Sports Illustrated. He was there for the Inquirer. And uh, like about three hours before the players would come out for their initial warm-ups, they let the media have a run on the court. Yeah. And uh, so we divided up into teams. And uh, I, I was on one team. Stephen A. was on the other. And uh, <laughs> I was just like... This dude talks about sports for a living. <laughs> I just, I've been in He had the audacity to, uh, it's pickup ball. It's pickup ball. And at one, one time down the court, uh, this was when I was a little bit quicker, I actually drove to the hoop. Right. You? I did. You're a three yeah, man. I, I'm a three man. I'm, I'm Steve Kerr. I, think. I, I hang out on the wing. I, I don't venture into where the and Giants I, I, stand. Let me tell you, folks, I, I have seen him in person get hot and rip the cords off of it. So yeah. Lars has got some I can, I, can, I, can, I can tear it up pretty good. But uh, Stephen A. was guarding me, and he called a charge. You don't call charges in pickleball. I know. Isn't that rule number one? It's, it's cardinal. It's a, it's a, it's, you don't it's, call a block or a charge. No. It just isn't done. No, it's not done. And you know what? You, you call it on yourself. You call yeah. fouls on yourself. That's absolutely rule. Right? That's like, the way street like, ball goes. You know, hey, I got him. I got him. You got him on the wrist. You know, whatever. It's on me. Foul. And uh, so he did this garbage. And then <laughs> to try to see him shoot a basketball was uh, just uh, mind-boggling again. And so I told you last night when we were at Baumhauer's in Vestavia, I said, okay, Stephen A. Smith has been talking about throwing out the first pitch at Yankee Stadium for weeks, and he's got, uh, you know, all this swagger. And I'm like, my twin six-year-old girls can throw better than him. Trust me. The dude won't even make it to the plate. Am I exaggerating, Matt? No. I mean, I'm telling the way Google it, you can just hit Stephen A. Smith throws pitch and, and you'll see it. And he bounced it. He bounced it. It was it was pathetic. Still bounced it. It was pathetic. It was it was. And then I'm asking myself, and you know what? And we talked about this too because I told you this was going to happen, and it is going to undermine his credibility with athletes because everybody's going to realize that this dude can't throw a freaking ball, and he's the highest paid sports. Uh, yapper in the universe. Well, you can't use a phrase anymore. You can't anymore. throw a ball. You can't use a phrase anymore and he throws like a girl, especially in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. With that old ballpark I, I was going to say up, like... He know, throws like Terry Labonte. I, I, I was so going to say he Tyler Buckner'd it, but oh. you know what? Uh, I think uh, Tyler Buckner, Stephen A. Smithed it. <laughs> they got... 
They got Terry Labonte, who's a NASCAR champion, to throw out one of the first pitches at Arlington. He's a Texas guy. You know this. Yeah. And his was just a little bit better than what we saw from Stephen A. And so now I just say he throws like a NASCAR driver instead of, And you know, so Stephen A, you know, into a gender he, issue. He was, uh, he's just name-dropping left and right, uh, saying that uh, Derek Jeter was giving him advice. And, and that, that brought me back to 2001. Stephen Moore's jersey number. I know. Going back to 2001, though, when President Bush came to Yankee Stadium after 9-11 to throw out the first pitch. And uh, George W. Bush is a hell of an athlete. Yes. And there is a uh, pitcher's mound uh, pitching facility underneath Yankee Stadium. And uh, President Bush, he was actually a little bit nervous, not because he couldn't throw a strike, but because they made him wear all this uh, protective gear. Uh, right. uh, yeah, yeah, and and Derek Jeter's a, Jeter goes down there and is watching the president warm up, and the president's like, "What do you think?" And Jeter's like, "Don't mess it up; they'll boo you." Oh God, they were going to boo him anyway. Well, after no, 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 they, no, not. absolutely no. not. No, yeah, no, no, right. no. Uh, this was, uh, I think, the, to me, just symbolically, the two greatest moments of uh, Bush's presidency were one when he got on top of the rubble at the World Trade Center and got the bullhorn yeah. and said, we're going to take those dudes down. Right? He said, we're uh, going to get them, folks. Yeah. Very, very Texas yeah. strong. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah. it was like just a show of strength yeah. that the country needed. And the second greatest moment, again, symbolically, George W. Bush gets out on the mound, and he just rips a fastball yeah. right down the center. I mean... Go America. That, that, that's like... Ah, it was so wonderful because that's our president. That's our yeah. president. And he just uh, absolutely he's it crushed it in up. the moment. And then Stephen A. Smith, <laughs> you he, saw he blamed it. it. He blamed What'd it on the. Think? He blamed it on the fact that. Uh, sorry, real quick. He blamed it on the fact that he'd never been on a mound before. Well, that's even worse. <laughs> then don't throw it. Well, of course he'd been on a mound before. Laurie, I'm gonna go get you an orange from behind the counter, and I want you to knock that stack of cups over from right here. <laughs> Well, Something tells me you can probably throw a ball. Yeah, I can throw a ball. Oh, yeah. Weren't you a gymnast? Well, yes. So you have but, athleticism, isn't But I, I also played softball. Not here at Alabama, but I was a catcher. So oh, best position I had to in throw sports. the ball. Yeah, and we get a lot of action. But my nephew was a college pitcher. So okay. growing up and everything, we would throw well, the ball until it got too much for my hand. He's throwing heat, and I'm like, I can't catch you anymore. Well, with my with my girls, I, I taught them right from as soon as they basically could stand, step and throw, and follow step through, step and throw and follow through. Okay, so but it's Matt just, Coulter, of the three of us up here, you're the only one that has th- actually thrown an opening pitch off of a mound, yep. and uh, so give us your experience. First of all, I don't care if you're Stephen A. Smith or Derek Jeter or the president. You're going to get a little nervous because you don't want to pull a Stephen A. Smith. And it was We between... need to make that into a verb. <laughs> Stephen A. Smith did. Pull a Stephen A. Uh, but uh, it was back when I was at 13, and so I, I had a suit on because I, I entered the 6, and I was going to go back for the 10. So I went out there, and I was in a full suit. 
And but I I played some baseball now. Yes, you know that. Yes, a lot. You're um, very good. I uh, well, I'm, I just you know God blessed me with a few tools. That's about it. But one of them was throwing. But I went in bullpen and I warmed up. I was not going to one hop it. And um, I didn't mess around. I just got up there and, and just threw about a 50 mile an hour fastball. But it was right there in the strike zone. Boom. And boy. You, so that was the first of time. Relief. Yeah. I did it the second time. I tried to put a little juice on it, and I kind of it hit the dirt right behind the plate, and the catcher didn't like that very much. So, um, <laughs> But, you know, it's it's fun. It's a great experience. Everybody should do it. And I love it when they get little kids up there. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't matter how they throw. They're cute. But yeah. No. Uh, Stephen A. Uh, you know, from now on, I'm not going to say. Epic throws, fail. I'm not going to say he throws like an NASCAR driver. I'm going to say he throws like Stephen A. But then it got me thinking, and I'll start with you, Laura Lee. What is the greatest sort of athletic failure of your life? I know, and, and, and it, if you don't have one, that, that's good. But, I mean, I, I have one that is still <laughs> vivid in my mind from when I was 17 years old. All right, we're going to get to this at the bottom of the hour. We're gonna, we need to take a break, but I want you to think about it. You need to you think, think about, about it. About it and I, I know mine. Um, won't take long to tell it either. But if we can take our break now, when we come back, I think you've probably read that the late Ken Stabler's ring Hall of Fame ring from the NFL is going to be presented to his family Sunday night. His oldest and dearest friend and one of mine as well, Dan Jenkins, is going to join us, and he'll fill in the blanks on that. And uh, man, if anybody <laughs> if anybody knows Tabor stories, it's Dan Jenkins. That's coming up on Big Noon Sports. By the way, um, let me just note that the game day menu is sitting right in front of me in his free Irish pub. I got the James Joyce burger two in a row. Are you going chicken wrap? Do you know yet? I'm going chicken Caesar wrap. Yeah, I'm, Caesar. I'm going three in a row because I love it so much. You went to meeting three last week, didn't you? I did. So sausage good? It was. Delicious. All right. Hey, come down here and see for yourself or taste for yourself at Free. We're broadcasting Big Noon Sports until 2. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A warm afternoon, the sky partly to mostly sunny, the high 85. Fair tonight, the low 63. Tomorrow, a sunny, warm day, the high 87. And Sunday, partly sunny, a few spots can see a pass. Afternoon shower, the high 86. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 86 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. (laughs) 
And the crowd continues to grow, but we've got a table or a bar stool for you right here at Innisfree Irish Pub. Drop by and uh, grab a burger and a cold beer and join us, and we will broadcast until 2, but certainly they're open until like 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. So you can come by here today or tomorrow or on Sunday and enjoy yourself at Innisfree Irish Pub. We'll be here every Friday during the football season. Our next guest is Dan Jenkins, and Dan and I have been friends, I guess, since the... Uh, the 80s when I first met him and Ken Stabler uh, doing the old uh, World League of American football. And I met Dan and got to know him, and we have been really pretty close friends ever since. Dan, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. How about you? Hey, we're at a, we're at a bar. Uh, we're having some food. Imagine that. Yeah, imagine <laughs> me being uh, anyway. uh, uh, Stop the presses. Hey, tell everybody what's going to happen Sunday night. It's long overdue, much as was the case in Ken getting into the NFL Hall of Fame. But just tell us what's going to happen for Snake Sunday night. Uh, Sunday night, I got a call from Kendra, Ken, Kenny's oldest daughter, and uh, they're going to present, you know, the NFL, they had a policy, you know, and they give that, you know, induction into the NFL Hall of Fame. They would not give the family, you know, the person was deceased that was going in they wouldn't give them the jacket and the and the Super Bowl ring you know they have the bust you know in the Hall of Fame but uh, they changed the policy and now uh, they're going to present Kendra Kenny, Kenny's oldest daughter and her family with the uh, ring of excellence that they give all the players in the Hall of Fame uh, they're going to present that at halftime on the Raiders-Steelers game. It's coming Sunday night. It's on NBC. I think it comes on about 7.15 Central. Mm-hmm. But they'll do that presentation at halftime. What does this mean to uh, Ken Stabler's family? Uh, that means a lot to them. They were, you know, they, they wanted uh, to see him go in the Hall of Fame and Kenny, you know, he said, hey, if I go in, fine, if I don't, fine, you know, he was just, you know, I mean, you know, it meant a lot to him, but he, he didn't let it get him down, you know what I'm saying, and, and his family, uh, you know, they're so proud of him, as I am too, happy for him, you know, I was just long overdue. Yeah, and uh, all of it is, but at least it's being done, and that's huge. Um, that's I want right. you. You've told me, and I've actually experienced some Staber stories, and um, as you might expect, uh, they're fascinating. He was just a, a wonderful human being, had time for everybody, and you know this: when we were traveling abroad, people would walk all the way across the street just to get a picture made with him, and he didn't. He encouraged it. He embraced it. That was always cool. But one of the funniest stories you ever told me was about uh, uh, I guess it happened more than once several times about your lodging in a hotel could you share that with me because I lost it when you told me oh yeah when uh, uh, travel with Kenny sometimes we would have uh, uh, sometimes if they had extra rooms they would give me a room they'd give Kenny a room and um, uh, we were doing Monday night football for Harris in New Orleans when they were first they had the temporary casino open but we would do Monday night football over there for them and uh, we'd stay one week we'd be at the Royal Sinesta the next week at the Chateau Sinesta 
And uh, anyway, when Kenny, every morning, he would get up in the morning, he'd make his bed up in the hotel room. And just wait. Um, anyway, hang on. They were interrupting me here. Uh, anyway, Kenny would get, get up in the morning, he'd make up his bed in the hotel room. And if we were sharing a room, you know, my bed, when I got up, I left it, looked like a train wreck, you know, and I never thought anything about it, you know, and we had to share that room, Kenny's room, you know, his bed is all made up, mine is like a train wreck, and the maid comes in there, and she's thinking, crap, they slept in the same bed. Oh, God. I never thought anything about it until after he passed the question. Crap, how did that look? No. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, God. <laughs> Always a prankster. Um, Why is it? Uh, this is for both uh, 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 Dan and Matt here. Uh, and Matt, I'll start with you. Why is it that Ken Stabler still sort of lives in our imagination? What, what, what was it about him that made him just so memorable? First of all, he's a hell of a football player. And a really good baseball player. And for that alone, he's embraced by Alabama fans. Run through the mud in the Iron Bowl back in 65, 66. Dan, maybe will clear that up. The holy but roller. Then, then, but then, oh, yeah, in the NFL, they yeah. changed the rules. It's a stable rule. Um, yeah. But, but the other part of it is he just embraced people. He loved being around people. And people loved being around him. Dan? Yeah, he really loved his fans, you know. Yeah. yeah can you think of a, an incident where he went above and beyond? I know when we were in Europe, we were traveling around. I shouldn't have been amazed, but people would, people in London would walk over there in a Pittsburgh Steeler shirt and ask for his autograph. Yeah. No, he, he you know, he, I mean, we flew into El Paso, Texas one time. We got off the plane. He was doing appearance with his people there in El Paso and we got off the plane there's probably 500 Oakland Raider fans in the airport all dressed up face painted silver and black and all the media's out there and everything you know in El Paso Texas I'm like golly sure a lot of Raider fans in cowboy country here you know but he stood there and he would sign autographs until everybody got the autograph and picture he wouldn't he wouldn't leave, you know. And that's the way he was. You know, one, another funny story, we were, Henry Pitts was Kenny's agent at the time. And in Selma, Alabama, Kenny had an appearance to do in Selma. So Henry took care of the all the logistics and everything. And we, we were checking in the hotel there in Selma. And... We were walking in, and these people saw Kenny, and they stopped him and, you know, wanted his autograph and pictures and talk football and everything. And I said, Kenny, I'm going to go ahead and check in. So I went to the front desk, checked in, went up to the room. They had a giant suite, you know, with all the big basket of fruit and cheese and wines and all these, you know, unbelievable. And I'm thinking, boy, that's sure nice of Henry. Henry Pitts really did a good job here, you know. So Kenny calls and says, come on down and get a drink. Well, I'm sitting up there for an hour, 
you know, I drank one of the bottles of wine. I started on the second one. I drank half the other bottle of wine. I ate all the cheese and everything. <laughs> and Kenny says, let's go get a drink. I said, no, come on up here and get one. You know, because I had the wine. He said, no, come on down to my room. So I went down to his room. He was in the regular room. <laughs> and they had put me in Kenny's suite. And I ate all the cheese, drank all the wine. <laughs> Golly. Yeah. He, he was... Yeah, he wasn't going to leave those people. <laughs> He's going to sign their autographs and do all the pictures and all that. But after about an hour of that, I was getting hungry and thirsty. <laughs> so I started, you know, I thought Henry gave us each a sweet. You know? could, could, could Ken Stabler <laughs> have been drafted to a more perfect franchise no. than the Oakland Raiders? When I think of the Raiders and this uh, renegade, outlaw sort of symbolism that they represented or that they embodied, uh, I think of uh, Matuzak, John Matuzak, Ted Hendricks, Lala Zato, and the only offensive player I think of is Kenny Stabler. Maybe Cliff Branch, but Branch, yeah. Um, Lester Hayes. Made, uh, yeah. Uh, Dan, I'll let you go in a minute, but uh, you've traveled okay. with him a lot, and, and I, I traveled with him in Europe and in Canada. And, you know, mm -hmm. Stabler, he used to like to wear black. I mean, he wear a black coat, black pants, and a black shirt. And he had, oh, that, yeah. he had that flopping gray, white hair <clears throat> coming right. over his collar, and he had that Stabler gait the way he'd walk down through the airports. It's just it's kind of a... Did, did he kind just, of a and also, did he just not care what people thought of him in his lifestyle? Uh, I, Dan, what do you think? I think he cared to a certain extent. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, he just kind of marched his yeah. beat of his own drum. You know, he, you know, he stayed up late. You know, we had a lot of late hours. But, yeah. And, you know, we were just listening to music, listening to the jukebox, talking football to whoever's in the little bar there. But, but he would uh, walk through the airport. You know, and then, you know, go play football. He'd walk you know. through the airports in that all black with that kind of funky look he had. And when when we got out of the, you know, the United States and we were traveling, you get in the line to go through TSA or whatever it was. It's, it's it's very different in other countries. You know this. Who's the first person they pulled out of line to check every single time? <laughs> every single and, and Kenny would go over to the other line, and the entire team would be lined up going through the regular part, and he'd just be up there smiling and laughing his butt off. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Dan, uh, yes, man, it's man. always a pleasure catching up with you. Give, give my best to Gail. I sure will. Go take I some sure of that casino money. Yeah, this is kind of my retirement plan here. <laughs> that cruise. I don't know how that's going to work. <laughs> Seems to be working okay, Dan. Yeah, Thanks for right. your time. All right, thank you so All much, right. man. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. And tune in and, and make sure and watch Sunday night. I, I hope, who carries the Sunday night? Is that NBC? Yeah, I get kind of confused, especially when they call Monday night football on Thursday night, and then Thursday night football is Monday night football on Wednesday. And you have to have a uh, prime to watch it on Thursday. It's uh, yeah. Um, but uh, what what is your favorite? And because you worked with Ken, you traveled across the world with Kenny Stabler. When you think of him now, maybe not your favorite story, but what what what? Like, first jumps to your mind when I say Ken Stabler. He had such a big heart. I mean, and, and he was so genuine. Um, it was just, let me tell you, you know this, he was a flipping blast to be around. 
And if you were around, you weren't paying for anything. If Kenny was with you, it was always on the house. Somebody sending drinks and shots and beers. And at one particular place in Montreal, they sent him something rather unusual, which I won't get to. Uh, There's we so we many were, professional uh, athletes who get alligator arms when the check arrives. And they're making Dale Earnhardt Jr., man. I don't think really? he's ever paid for anything when he's been with me. It's all, it was always on Sports Illustrated. <laughs> or Lars Anderson. Or Lars. Yeah. That's funny. Like, come on, Dale. And, and Laura Lee's <laughs> always struck me as funny. as to go, oh, look, there's Ken Staber. Or there's who? Who was it? Dale Earnhardt Jr. Dale, yeah. Let me buy him a drink. Well, wait a minute. And should it be the other way around? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, have you come up with... Uh, and favorite possible him. favorite. Oh, oh. oh. oh no, he's sorry, talking yeah. about athletic yes, failures. Yes. I, this is going to sound bad, but I didn't. I'm going to hold it through the break. I didn't We're have gonna. a lot. Oh, you didn't have, you didn't have well, that's, That doesn't surprise better. me. No. Well, I think one of the biggest things for me was that I always strive to be the best, and I did whatever I had to do to be number one, and. You know, that serves you in uh, life in the future, but it also kind of is a hindrance sometimes. So, uh, Well, that clearly spills over to your business, and uh, uh, let's talk about that on the other side, yeah, Matt. Yeah, let's, let's take a break. Let's order some food. We're going to do all of that, and by the way, please join us. We are live, Big Noon Sports, in us free, right here in uh, University. Everybody knows where Ennis Free is because everybody likes to come here and have himself a cold Irish beer or two. So join us. We'll be here till 2. Of course, they'll be open all weekend for all you Bama fans. And I just saw a couple Ole Miss fans come in here. So we got some folks already in town from Oxford. We'll be right back. Big News Sports. Built to win. Built for championships. Rose intercepted Alabama. Built by Bama. Alabama is still Alabama. The Crimson Tide play here. Join us Saturday as the Crimson Tide kick off SEC play against Ole Miss. Our coverage begins at 11.30 on your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse. BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner, too. More Big Noon Sports coming up. It is Big Noon Sports. It's Friday, so guess where we are? Innisfree. It's a place to be. Come by, have cold beer. They've got 40-plus different selections here. Of course, you want something with a bourbon or a vodka or a tequila, they've got that for you as well. And just a great menu. What did you end up ordering? What did you go with? What? Let me see which we got here. You just went straight burger? Which yeah. one? Which poet? The George Shaw burger. It has barbecue sauce and sautéed onions on it. That's my kind of thing. And cheese. Always must have cheese. Always what? Have cheese on the burger. Oh, yeah. I, I, I just, uh, it's not the same without it. What about you? I went for the uh, uh, grilled chicken Caesar wrap. Third week okay. in a row. Yeah. I, uh, so good. I went off my norm because I've been getting the burger, but um, I ordered the Windy City hot dog. You ever had a really good Chicago hot dog? 
Yeah. They're great. They're I want to hit that Reuben hot dog because the Reuben was invented in and Nebraska. Nebraska. Everything goes back to Nebraska. Especially volleyball. <laughs> Unfortunately, not much football. <laughs> I'm just Actually, they beat Northern Illinois. They beat the Huskies, didn't they? Yeah, and they covered. I made a lot of money. You did? I can't say that about Alabama did last it? week. <laughs> did it make up for the first three weeks? <laughs> um, no Laura Lee, what are you doing? Well, what... What have you done this week as far as your job is concerned? Negotiated contracts, negotiated repairs. People are still buying. Um, you know, the great thing about it, as the interest rates continue to creep up a little bit, it's uh, sellers are a little bit more negotiable. They're more willing to make repairs. They're maybe uh, more willing to help with closing costs. So that's great for buyers. And uh, with less buyers out there, there's less competition. So it's a great time to buy a house. Um, I keep saying it over and over is when the rates come down, then the prices of the houses will go straight back up. You're going to be competing with a lot of buyers that are sitting on the sidelines, and it's going to ultimately cost you more because houses have not gone down in value. They're remaining stable, if not creeping higher. So it's it's a good time to buy. Laura Lee, walk me through the process. Pretend I'm a first-time home buyer, and I approach you. I tell you my budget is I can afford maybe a $300,000 house. What what happens after that? You know, that's a, a good place to be in Tuscaloosa because that's around our average price. Of course, we have a lot higher and a lot lower, but... Um, we're going to talk about the process. We're going to talk about the paperwork. We're going to talk about expectations. And that's coming from my side. And then from you as the buyer, I'm going to ask you, what what is it that you want? What are your must-haves? What, what is negotiable? So everybody has a dream about what they want. So let's talk about what's available in that price range because not everything you may want. Are you going to get a, a five-bedroom, four-bath house on an acre of land for 300 in Tuscaloosa? No, you're not. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about what you can get at 300 and that's what I do with my first time home buyers when I talk about managing expectations let's let's look at your budget let's stay within your budget and let's go find the best house available for you I found Lars's house on the way over here yeah so you get you, you can do it in Birmingham right yes yeah what are you? Are you limited? I mean, because... No, I'm, I'm licensed in the state of Alabama, so anywhere. Are you still looking for me, by the way? Yes. No look. Well, you know... <laughs> I'm looking man, on Lake, Lake let's Tuscaloosa. Let's talk about yeah. managing expectations and what <laughs> yeah. your price range is. Well, and not well you said you want to act like a home buyer. Go ahead. Do. Oh, do I the real know. thing. No, just kidding. I don't want you to put you in that situation. But uh, anyway... I can't live on Nick Saban Street, put it that way. Oh, you want to live? Don't you live near him? I shouldn't say that. Never, oh. never, 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 never mind. Yeah. Don't, don't answer that question. Okay? Um, answer this one. 
How do folks get in touch with Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker? Well, you can always call me at Advantage Realty. And a uh, great company to work with. A uh, lot of great agents there. Um, you can also find me in, on social media at the Bama Broker. You can email me. You can also uh, go to my website, thebamabroker.com. I just, I'm amazed. And Lawrence and I talked about this first time we met with you that the Bama Broker hadn't been taken. Right. So you are the Bama, the one and only Bama right. Broker. Right. Makes it perfect. What are your plans for the game tomorrow? Well, uh, of course, we'll go early to the stadium and get in there before the crowds and uh, enjoy the game. And then my dad's cooking dinner, so we're going back to his house to watch some more football. What's your dad cooking? What's a game day? He has not told me, but let me tell you, my dad's one of the best cooks. I mean, he's... he's, Can you set two more places? Yes. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yes, actually, my my sister and brother-in-law won't be there, so there it will be extra food. Really? I said that purely. (laughs) I'm fun. Anyway. All right, we got a caller? Oh, yeah. Thanks for reminding me. I'm getting a little ditzy here as a result of my birthday party. Um, <laughs> let's go to uh, Macon, Georgia. George, what's up? Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Thanks for taking my call. You bet. Yeah, y'all are talking about Kenny Saber. Uh, he's one of my favorite Alabama quarterbacks. Because I can remember back in the day, a, a quick um, Kenny Saber story. I don't know if y'all remember. I think it was 64 or 65. Um, you know, he was a sophomore, and so they put him in against Tennessee, and he was supposed to drive him down. And everybody in the stadium, they had the downs, downs incorrect on the field and also on the scoreboard, and he thought it was third down, and it was fourth down, and he threw the ball away. Well, obviously, the, uh, Tennessee took over on downs, and, you know, he was the quarterback, and I'm, I'm sure he was down in his luck and feeling, but we... You know, rushed. You know, we got on the field because that was back when it was in um, Mansion Field. It was easy to see. You know, they didn't separate you that much. And he signed me an autograph, and he was very gracious. And through the years, there's not a Alabama fan that Kenny Stabler didn't like. And another thing that's very interesting: Don Sutton lost two games in high school. You know who the opposing pitcher was? It was Snake. He was a heck of a... In fact, he was drafted by the Yankees. He could have played either Absolutely. one. Absolutely. He was serious. Seriously a good pitcher. And, I, and I, you know, that's very interesting to me. And something else that really gets me, you know, me, I, like I say, I've been an Alabama follower since 1960-61. But everybody says, oh, it's Snake because he's a quick striker. No, it's because he would run like, like in a coil of a snake. You know, he, he run 40 yards to get five yards, but he was one heck of an athlete, one heck of a great person. Um, I mean, he did not, there was not an Alabama fan that he did not like. And, um, I like, I always go through the story. They asked, um, Bear Bryant, what would, what would Nick, what would, um, Kenny do if he ran the option? And he would always say, you got to put another digit on the scoreboard. Uh-huh. That's and, um, really good. I, just, he, I mean, that he just, um, 
it, you know, my, one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite quarterbacks and Alabama players because he always had time for you, no matter what he was doing. And that's kind of my sure. Kenny Stabler story. That's really good and, and, and well told. And, George, you are absolutely one of our favorite callers. You have uh, been watching Alabama football, studying Alabama football for a long, long time. What are your expectations for what is going to happen? Uh, and using clear eyes, not through crimson-colored glasses here, but clear eyes, what do you think is going to transpire on Saturday? Well, um... Obviously, I've been taught by Bear Bryant and also all the other coaches that touched Alabama to show the opposition great respect. But I'm a, I'm a little bit nervous, but I just can't believe. Okay, here's here's what I think. I hear Nick Saban talk about what an offensive coordinator is supposed to do and what they should do. Knowing what the defense, attack their weaknesses, use your strength. And I, and Kyle Reese just has not done that. And I, and I don't understand it, but I'm hoping that he'll wake up or maybe he's trying to fool us all that we will run the ball with, um, with Milrow more and also run the ball, you know, between the tackles and also use jet string, jet sweeps and also, you know, go from sideline to sideline to weaken up the middle. And I think we'll do it, and I think we'll be successful to do it. So I think the offense is going to be much better than what we think it's going to be. Because remember, guys, we were leading Texas going into the fourth quarter playing like crap. So yeah. what would happen if we just play a little bit better than defense? And our defense, I think, is going to be much more stiffer. So I, I'm thinking that we will probably score about four touchdowns and a field goal and hold them to 17 points. I think we're going to win, but I'm I'm not the type of person who goes out there and says these things because I hate to eat crow. And I was asked, I was talking to one of my buddies. I said, "When did it get popular to talk trash and not worry about what you're saying, even if you lose?" You know, I was taught, you know, don't don't talk, but do. But I'm thinking, you know, that's what I'm going to say, 31 to um, 17 or 31 to 14. I think we're going to handle them. I can't imagine us not being able to handle them because we still have better talent than them. George, if Alabama's defense holds Ole Miss under 20, you're, I will almost guarantee you that win. George, you know what you are? You're the oh. Ken Stabler callers. We appreciate you phoning in today. Okay, thank you so much, guys. Oh, thank Roll you, time. George. Roll tie. Oh, uh, what a good guy. Yeah. You know, there are a, a few things, uh, I guess it's kind of operated under the radar other than Alabama football and Stephen A. Smith. And I want to bring him up in a minute and get your thoughts on a couple of things. Yours, yours as well, Laura Lee. Also, I want to get your guys, uh, just predictions of how everything's going to okay. play out tomorrow afternoon about a quarter of a mile from where we're sitting right now. That's Laura Lee. She knows, she knows all. all. 
Hey, let's uh, take our final break of Big Noon Sports and invite you once again to come by and see us at Free. And, you know, while you're uh, on your app, your Tide 100.9 app, uh, go to the go for your cash code. Go for 30K, $30,000. Let's get that right. Just go to the app and type in 145. That's the code for this hour. You only have just a few more minutes. We'll give you a new one at the top of the hour as you listen to Big Noon Sports live from Free. Coming up up. on The Game with Ryan Fowler. Coming up on the Friday edition of The Game, we'll do SEC Parlay Pick Contest. We'll feature Rodney Orr, TiderInsider.com. We'll feature Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports, Brent Beard, First Coast News in Jacksonville, Florida. We'll get you ready for Alabama Ole Miss right here starting at 2 o'clock on The Game on Tide 100.9, the home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. The longest-running sports program in Tuscaloosa, The Game with Ryan Fowler. Fowler weekdays from 2 to 6 p.m. on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Hey, Mark. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A warm afternoon, the sky partly to mostly sunny, the high 85. Fair tonight, the low 63. Tomorrow, a sunny, warm day, the high 87. And Sunday, partly sunny, a few spots could see a passing afternoon shower, the high 86. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 87 degrees in Tuscaloosa. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. And we're live. And we will be every Friday throughout the Alabama football schedule at Innisfree, the Irish pub. Drop by and have a cold beer, a hot dog, or a beer. Um, they got a great menu. Uh, a, a very varied selection. All right, this just in. Thank you, Audio Bob, for bringing this up. Uh, he's just the messenger, though. Okay, folks? Bryce Young has been injured and ruled out. Uh, at least for this coming game Sunday against the Seattle Seahawks. And that means the red rifle, Andy Dalton, will get the start. So that's tough news for Carolina and tough news for the number one draft pick uh, out of the University of Alabama. But he is out. Man, we're getting some injuries in the NFL, Lars, that are just... I mean, Chubb, did you read that that injury is to the main, like, vein? It's it's a possible career ender. Yeah. I mean, it's it's horrible. Horrible. Damn. Who else did we lose? Uh, Diggs? He's mentioned Diggs, yeah. Yeah. Diggs is out for the year, isn't he? Highest paid corner in the league. He uh, tore his ACL in practice yesterday. What about Burrow? What's the latest on him? Well, uh, there's video of him in full pads walking up a hill. So, so he's definitely ready to play in an NFL game uh, with a calf. That's the thing it, is, it, it, doesn't every player do that? A calf strain. Yeah. I, I, I didn't realize how serious of an injury that is to a quarterback because it lingers and you aggravate it, you aggravate it, and uh, you absolutely, you know, the, the power of your throws comes from your legs, especially if it's your right calf and you're right-handed. You're going to uh, push push off of that, and that, that muscle is your calf. It all comes from your calf. And so Burrow is uh, lacking velocity on his throws, and it's just uh, it's a 
you know, it's not something that's going to end his career or anything, and he can play through it most likely, but it really limits his effectiveness. Did you ever get injured? You were pretty active with softball. Oh, yes. And, uh, met gymnastics, it seemed gymnastics, to me. Gymnastics, like, oh, and man. I, I yeah. cheered. Um, Did you ever fall off top of the pyramid? I didn't fall off, no, but I've been dropped from double stunts and that. I really think people don't understand how many injuries cheerleaders suffer. Ankles, yes. That's the big one? Oh, yes. Because you're coming from a very, you know, very high up and. When I was in high school, I was always on top of the pyramid, and because I did gymnastics, I would do backflips off and that sort of thing, and that was a long time ago, but yeah, and you're landing on the basketball court at pep rallies and that stuff. Do I what? Can you still do a backflip? Oh, right off the Like a a tumble run. Right off the stage. Can you, uh, like, what, what is the, what could you do gymnastics wise, uh, now? When you, as as opposed to when you were in your peak. Well, I haven't done like a round off back tuck in a long time, but I did uh, when I was doing CrossFit a couple of years ago. Do some back handsprings. Oh wow! You know, I, I was trying That's to. Impressive. I'm lucky to get up the hill. Yeah, I'm lucky to get out. I'm lucky to get out of bed. I still got it. <laughs> I just don't do it. Oh. Well, anyway. Let's break it down. Uh, Lars, you said you were going to get our opinions, but I'm gonna, we're going to start with you. you got 60 seconds on the clock. What happens tomorrow afternoon, 2.30 throughout the afternoon in Brian Dean Stadium? I've never seen a Nick Saban-led team lay a dud three games in a row. I think they're going to come out and play very, very well. I think they're going to play the best game of the season. I think you're going to see renewed confidence from Jalen Milrow. I think uh, Tommy Reese is going to uh, tinker uh, – the offensive play calling. Again, you can't uh, revolutionize the offense. You kind of are who you are at this point, but you can be selective in the plays that you call. They're going to put him in position to succeed, and I think uh, Jalen is going to play very, very well, and I think Alabama is going to win by about 10 points. I hope all of that is true, and if all of that happens like we want it to. I would also like to see our defense do what they did last week, which was get a fumble and an interception. So let's get some more takeaways and take those in, get some pick sixes. Matt, you and I talked about that earlier, Matt, about winning the turnover battle and also Lorley special teams. Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid, Kool-Aid, Kool-Aid. Time to make a big play. Tell you what, though. I don't know if there's a better kick-punt combination in the nation. Combination in the nation. Well, I've, we, we're we better than they are in that aspect. Their no. punter has, Ole Miss's punter has had some issues. So It's like uh, the world is upside down, right? That uh, the special teams are the strength of Alabama's team. Remember <laughs> five or six years ago, we just, Alabama just couldn't make a field goal? It didn't matter if it was 31 or 51. It's very troubling times. Uh, yeah. That is not the case now because I think both these guys are going to be playing on Sundays. Yes, absolutely. And um, with the lack of offense at times during football games, um, having a punter like Burnett that can just absolutely put it inside the five, that's big time. That's uh, Gene Stalling. All right, so what's, uh, how do you see this game unfolding, Matt? Well, I hope we see... 
an offense that just, I'm going to pretty much mirror what y'all just said. Uh, I hope to see an offense that is suited for Jalen Milrow. And I want to see some really true RPOs. We've seen forms and fashions, right? But not the real deal. I want it to almost be like an option offense. Don't you think we've talked about this all week? Come out in the bone. I wish they'd come out in the wishbone. <laughs> Did you, um, you were in school when they were running the wishbone. Well, no, you weren't yet. No, wow. Because they stopped running it in that old. No, you was in uh, uh, grade school. Yeah. You were in school. Maybe preschool. And you you grew up in Nebraska where they forever. ran the veer, which is an option, and then just another state over watching Oklahoma run the wishbone with Jack Mildren. God. Thomas Lott, Elvis Peacock. Yeah. Um Slot, the one that first started wearing the do rag. Yeah. Yeah, the bandana. Did you, did you ever hear the story about a very, very famed and talented running back at the University of Alabama named Lenny Patrick? Okay. Now, I am really oh, dating yeah. myself. But um, when he was brilliant and he was on and he was focused, we didn't have a better running back. But um, he saw Thomas Lott playing on Saturday. And then Monday he came out with a do-rag on. And he was running across the field with his helmet under his arm. Coach Bryant said, hey, Lenny, come here. I said, uh, all right, come on. What's up, coach? He says, what's that on your head? He said, it's called a do-rag. I saw Thomas Lott from Oklahoma. He was wearing it the game the other day. I thought I might try it out. He said, Lenny, you got a decision to make here. Do-rag, helmet. Do-rag, helmet. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh. 